welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. We are here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm Zach Shahan, CEO of Clean Technica, and I'm joined today by the co-founders of Race Energy, Gwatham Mahaswaran and Arun Srayas. So it's an interesting, uh, I guess, departure from what we often are talking about on this show, which is you know battery supply chains, EV battery development, um, autonomous vehicles, it's sort of been the themes that we've been focused on for a while. But it fits right in there as uh, this is a company that's focused on battery swapping and in uh, innovative battery swapping solutions for very popular, common uh, vehicles across much of the world, much of Asia, but not necessarily at this point the U.S. market. But we'll see if we get to that. Uh, but just to start off, let's let's jump into what what uh, Race Energy is doing, what what I'm talking about and how you got started. So I just want to start with a question of, yeah, what is Race Energy? What 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 technologies are you are you offering right now? I'll go as it is okay. So Race, Race is building battery swapping technology, as you rightly said. We, we wanted to address the problem of uh, fixed battery EV charging solutions that are out there in the market, especially for uh, vehicles that have to be on the ground as much as possible. That includes right from uh, micro-mobility vehicles like uh, Lime or Bird, uh, you know, your e-scooters, all the way to like uh, cabs or taxis like Uber, Lyft, Ola here in India. And that includes like everything from, you know, like small scooters to two-wheelers, motorcycles, three-wheelers, and four-wheelers as well in a way. In all these cases, uh, the driver does not have any time to sort of wait, find a charger, uh, stay, you know, available, connected to the to the charger for two hours or three hours. That that time is not possible at all. So in those cases, what happens is, uh, A, the driver is kind of like losing a lot of money because they're sitting idle and not generating any revenue. And B, it is also becomes EVs are not really affordable at this point of time. Uh, it's very expensive. And with that high utilization for the driver, the battery becomes very expensive as well. So we came up with a solution where the battery is kind of unplugged from the vehicle itself. Uh, only the vehicle is sold and the battery is not sold. The driver kind of comes to one of our stations whenever they run out of charge. They simply swap the batteries. It takes a minute at best to, to swap out all the batteries in your vehicle and then you're good to go. So essentially, we're kind of uh, creating a solid petroleum product, a solid gas, uh, where you can just swap out and, and, and you know these stations that we build are also set up in in gas stations as well, right beside your your fuel pumps, uh, so it, it really becomes easy for the driver to adopt. This. Yeah, so it's a broader market than I realized. Looking at you know, I've see, seen pictures of the electric tuk tuks and uh, electric yeah. three wheelers, and uh, but you're saying from you know lime scooters, for example, just as an example, up to you know full full cars, you would be able to service. So. Yeah, I mean the initial application I see, you know, with uh, on on your site is these uh, these three wheelers, which are very common in India and other Asian markets. And then the battery looks it remind, reminds me a lot of the battery that's in. Um, we have uh, we have one of those little mini Teslas my daughters have, is you know for kids, and you know it's got a little battery you take in and out to, um, and it looks very similar kind of design. So 
it's it's just it's it's super simple looking but again it looks like it applies better for smaller vehicles with less yeah yeah smaller vehicles that where you can do that more easily can you just indicate yeah the, the initial markets where you've uh, launched uh, which cities and and countries yeah. and yeah which vehicles are using it live right now in in the in the real world uh, so currently, it's, we, are, we are utilizing this only in the three-wheeler market, the tuk-tuk market, as you mentioned. That we kind of uh, realized is, is kind of like the low-hanging fruit over here for us. And, and because... There's the, like a the, billion of those, right? I mean, there's like... Uh, <laughs> and there's there's a lot yeah. of tuk-tuks. And I mean... Yeah, it's just like... in India, just in India, there are 10 million of these. Um, and I think across the world, there should be about 30 million, 40 million. Okay. Not not quite a billion, but but yeah, that's it's a, it's a lot of vehicles and it's sort of a... It's just sort of an underserved, yeah, you know, all, there's so much so much EV development going on in China, in in Europe, but electric tuk-tuks have been like this fun, exciting potential uh, market for years. I mean, we've, we've covered from time to time, but then I never really see much huge progress in that regard. So even though it's like a, you know, even it's like, you know, 40, 50 million, but the, each vehicle drives a lot more on a day-to-day basis within the city. They often cover like 70, 80 miles as well, uh, easily. So, you know, compared to like private vehicles, which are typically doing about 10 miles or 15 miles here in, in India, not in the US, but uh, uh, usually within the city, within like a downtown kind of area, that's pretty much how private vehicles travel. So the utilization also is quite high, which makes it really suitable for this uh, particular segment. So within the three wheelers, we are kind of also uh, present in two markets right now in two cities in India primarily South India, which is Hyderabad and Tiruputi. Uh, these are the two cities that where we're operating our vehicles. But mostly doing pilots right now, we're scaling up uh, in this particular area and we're looking to enter different markets and different uh, segment of vehicles as well. Yeah, and I assume, I mean, you already touched on it, but this is a vehicle segment where upfront purchase price is a big deal, I'm sure. It's not like... Uh, yeah. You're buying a you know a big Mercedes SUV and you know you have more money to spend than you can do anything with. It's like you know yeah. people buying these are you know crunching the numbers and uh, so so electrifying that kind of market is difficult because the battery adds a big right. uh, big and, part of cost unless you're doing what you're doing right. <laughs> and and not just that I mean for the for this particular market and this particular driver the. Because they come from a lower segment of, uh, you know, low income group, they're often priced 30% interest, 30, 32% interest on the, on the financing, which is ridiculous. So when you, when you remove the battery out of the equation, it's only 50% of the amount that they need to finance now. So it becomes very, you know, that interest is quite high, quite a lot, you know, it's ridiculous. So, you know, by reducing the upfront investment, you're not just, you know, it's not just the upfront investment, but also the interest that you have to pay are so much lesser. Uh, because of that yeah yeah the market is sort of it's it's one of those cases like we have in so many ways where the less privileged have to pay a lot bigger fees and a lot you know it's it, it make it much harder for you to break even and i think part of that also which we, we've we've covered before is uh, the diesel costs right are are considerably high for these vehicles so you're so the vehicle might be cheap but then the costs of running it are, are quite high and bring bringing in an electric powertrain offers huge savings as long as you can just get it into their hands and you know get it in operation right no that's absolutely correct i think uh diesel has been shooting up quite a lot and especially 
pre-COVID to post-COVID, like any other phenomena across the world, the gas prices have increased. Likewise, diesel diesel is already subsidized in India, but like it's still still now becoming very expensive. So yeah, it's super super expensive. So I will get to the technical side more in a minute, but uh, just a little more on the markets. So how how are you uh, making inroads? How are you approaching people or customers or markets to, to you know, I mean, it looks like you have a pretty common sense solution. Like, look at this, you, you get this, you lease the battery, it's, it's cheaper, it's better, it's a better experience, it saves the environment. Uh, how, but how do you actually go about approaching uh, buyers? Yeah, I think uh, that's been the beauty of the product that we've kind of spent a lot of effort on, on developing the product to be, you know, it's, it's we like to think of it as a Tesla for tuk-tuks because what happens is we've only had to go out with like one vehicle demonstrated to the auto rickshaw drivers, to the tuk-tuk drivers on the ground and everybody has just followed. We don't do uh, outward sales anymore. It's, it's more of a pull product. Customers come to us. We have a huge wait list of 6,000 vehicles right now, 6,000 drivers right now. So it's just all about like delivering those autos, uh, tuk-tuks right now. And and this is just all in like, you know, within two to three cities uh, in the country. And it's, we haven't even, you know, maybe touched 1% of the market at this point of time. So it, it, it's, it's because the economics work out. It's not just the economics. It's also quite simple to drive because, uh, you know, drivers are currently driving manual uh, or tuk-tuk so it's kind of like stick ship but uh, switching to electric obviously it's like an automatic so uh, it makes it much more comfortable for them to drive and diesel vehicles also more heavy on vibrations and sound and everything all of that is removed as well so it's, it's far more convenient for drivers to drive because of that they're able to drive more as well typically they they already work like 10 10 hours a day or something they're not they're now able to work more or you know to make it at least comfortable i've seen the hands of the drivers even the hands have sort of improved because the the gear is on the on the on the you know the accelerator on your left hand, and and the, the, you know you had had that scaling and everything coming before for the drivers. The, the skin used to become very dry and rough, yeah. And now it's no longer there. It's just like you know, it's it's much better for the drivers because they don't, it's they so don't even because it's vibrating less, yeah. Vibrating yeah. and they had to. So the gearbox is on the is on the left hand, like you know you have oh, to do okay. it like, okay. like the old school scooters, like the Vespa, all of that stuff. So that no longer is required anymore. Yeah, it's just smooth technology. And but you know, how are you actually like finding and reaching those uh, customers? Uh, usually, so our auto is like painted in this bright aqua green teal color, and so we don't have to find drivers. They literally come to us. We have a footfall of five to ten drivers every single day who have already done their research and kind of half sold on our product because their research comes from other drivers. It's mostly word of mouth marketing that we that happens. And so when your fellow driver is talking about the product to the other driver, uh, they're more convinced rather than a salesperson or like, you know, company person trying to talk to them. So when they come to us, it's all about talking numbers and like, you know, financing plans. So that's great. Yeah. Word of mouth is always big, but from my experience, Indians are really big word of mouth salespeople. Like this is, uh, <laughs> Indians are really good at, at word of mouth sales to, to even, each other. Even more so in the, in the tuk-tuk market, even more so. Like, you know, if you, if you talk about the generic Indian, it's more. Yeah. Always into new tech, you know, and uh, over here in, in the US, uh, you know, a lot of early Tesla adopters, early EV adopters are, are, are Indians who, you know, you can see it's very, it's, it's penetrated the community. Word of mouth gets around quicker than a lot of other communities, I think, on these things. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's strong, strong bonds. 
But well, that sounds good. I'm just curious as well on the battery technology that you're using, if you can uh, share the chemistry and that, that kind of thing. Yeah, so uh, we we use a NMC, lithium NMC chemistry. Lithium ion is, you know, the widely used uh, rechargeable energy storage system, right? So we went with that and we have chosen the NMC chemistry specifically because we operate on a swappable module. We wanted it to be lightweight, high energy dense. Uh, in fact, we are uh, one of the highest energy dense. Uh, our battery packs are supposed to be portable, easy to swap uh, into and from the vehicle. And uh, we have the highest energy densities uh, among all the swapping players across the globe. So uh, yeah, we use that extensively in our batteries uh, at this point of time. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I you know, you, you have obviously huge trade-offs. You have NMC, you have the greater energy density, uh, lower weight in the vehicle, easier yeah easier to swap makes a lot of sense uh you know the, the so much of the market of the ev market broadly is moving to lfp because just lower costs even though it's slightly more uh slightly worse energy density so it's interesting because uh yeah i, I, I was just would have thought right off the bat maybe it's uh, you're going for a lower cost so you would go lfp but but i guess you can make it the it's cost competitive very quickly in this market with your model, right? So, so it's more critical to make sure the solution is giving the driver enough range, easy to swap, cutting labor cost, right? Yeah, not and not just that. Uh, you're, you're right about the cost part of it. I think it almost compares similarly when you talk about LFP and NMC. But uh, where the differentiation, uh, where the differentiation comes, is basically when it when you talk about performance in terms of. Uh, power densities when you put put them inside yeah. the way you know you you can't deliver that much amount of power from an LFP when compared to an NMC right so being lightweight high energy dense and high power dense at the same time gives a higher performance when compared to an LFP chemistry so uh, that basically gives the end user a kick of power uh, higher powered uh, you know uh, the power trains that we can use uh, with lower sized batteries lightweight batteries so that's where the differentiation kicks in more. That makes sense, and yeah, it's it's fitting. You know, you call yourself the Tesla of the was it of the electric tuk tuks or of battery swap? What was it? The Tesla. Yeah, I think it's just like yeah. Uh, the Tesla yeah. electric tuk tuk market is it seems yeah. fitting. You know, of course they tried battery swapping, sort of tried and failed. I mean, I, I don't think they ever actually really genuinely tried, but that's a whole different podcast. But so, yeah, so we we will be the race energy for the electric tuk tuks. We'll be the first. Yeah, yeah. And you, you could, yeah, better place uh, if anyone remembers them from Israel. This is, uh, they were they were battery swapping pioneers. I think we're on a yeah. good path, but just couldn't, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to make a business succeed and survive. But um, yeah, still the the big player in the space, of course, globally is Neo from China, exactly, which is yeah. doing a lot of battery swapping, tons of it in China, and also introducing mm -hmm. that to Europe. So uh, it's just fun to see another player in this market and see it in a different segment of the market. We'll get a little fun for a moment. Are you familiar with the the Marvel series, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So my daughters are watching that right now. And I was preparing for this podcast and they're, you know, they're constantly wanting me to be, uh, to pretend I'm in, I'm one of those agents, you know, Agent Ward. But, you know, just uh, who my younger daughter, <laughs> Six, wants me to be. And I was preparing for this and I was looking at it and, you know, she was wanting me to play. And I was like, look at this. And I made it into a mission kind of uh, examining your technology, saying I'm going on a secret call with these uh, 
these guys about this secret technology. And I was, and it's just fun when you look through your pages, your website, you know, it looks like something that, that they would use that, that shield or someone like that would use. Uh, you've got the demonstrations with, you know, the application, how you swap it in and out. Of course, the, uh, how you show it's, it's safe, you know, dropping it, pouring water on it and throwing it in this flamethrower or something. It's just great, great marketing, very well designed, very clean, but also like high tech at the same time, it feels, you know, a little bit like, uh, like Hollywood or shield like, so I think impressive little feature set there. I thought I'd share, I thought I see it makes making you guys smile. So I'm happy it's, uh, as fun for you, but it does I think look, you should re- revisit the website in a month's time because it's, it's, it's going through a major overhaul right now. That one, what you saw was built by us, but now we got some like a professional team to, oh, uh, it looks good. It's coming out to no, okay. Just, well, if it's going to get better, gonna, it's going to be 10 times better now. <laughs> okay. Well, 10 yeah. times better is great, but this looks uh, excellent already. So, but it's, it's just in general, it looks like high tech and uh, you, yeah. also the monitoring, you have the monitoring section where you have good graphics and explanation of what you can monitor. Uh, so in general, it just looks very high tech. It looks very premium. So it's got that kind of Tesla feel again, but at the same time, I mean, I, it's clear. You, I mean, it's not clear on the website. It, it just looks high tech, but it's clear talking to you. You're trying to get this into the hands of of people who can't go out and buy a Tesla Model 3 for Uber service, whatever, you know, trying to get it into big portions of the market that are underserved and underrepresented. Can you tell a little more about how you got interested in that, How why you went that path? Uh, what inspired you to 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 go this way? And you know, you can tell us if you're secret agents as well. Uh, and just just adding to your fun fact. In fact, uh, so we we design our uh, circuits and the printed circuit boards ourselves, right from you know the layouts and the uh, how the circuits go into uh, you know the product, including the IoT systems and the battery management systems. And we actually name them on Marvel characters. So we have PCBs that are named Odin, uh, that are named Heimdall and Thor and whatnot, right? So oh my uh, most of us here are Marvel fans. So uh, <laughs> depending on the use case, we have like different names of Marvel characters running through all our well. In fact, uh, in fact, yeah. I suppose, like the, the monitoring system is called Jarvis. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> so. so this is all throughout your technology, like different yeah. components. Uh, oh, see, it's perfect. I, I wondered if I should bring this up. You know, I was like, am I going too far? but i thought you know you try to make it fun and it's a perfect fit so it's good that i brought yeah, it up yeah. and maybe it came through in the website really like because you really had that kind of feel for me that you see this kind of you know glossy perfect tech in the in these uh in these series so i think you did a phenomenal job um it's super exciting no doubt about it i will pass on to my daughters that you have uh all kinds of technologies main, named after marvel stuff you have to send me a list of this stuff or if whatever you have uh easily to share uh so i can uh share them with share it with them and continue the story with them the the kind of game that we were playing but yeah how so how did you decide to do this instead of you know electric semi trucks or or whatever i think i think you know i'll take a step back and explain our journey as well since you'd asked that in the beginning but we didn't touch upon that so both Gautam and I know each other from, I think now 2009 or something. So it's been like, by knowing each other, I mean like being in the same classroom, same, you know, not being more than like 20, 30 meters away from each other on a day-to-day basis. Even now we live together. So we've, we've kind of like, and I think our journey starts off in our in our first year, like, you know, sophomore year in our, in our university, where we used to sort of uh, build uh, race cars. Uh, we used to have this in motorsports team. 
And I think, you know, he was 16, Gautam was 16, I was 17. That's when we literally started building out, uh, you know, formula-style race cars and, and all-terrain uh, vehicles as well. Was that and part of the curriculum or that was like extra? No, it was, it was extra. Yeah. It was extra. Wow. Yeah. Okay. There's no wow. way, no way close to the curriculum. It was like a fully functional team with, with you know, proper sponsorship from Honda, Honeywell, uh, Suzuki, Indian Oil, um, you know, the, these companies as well. So it was a well, well pro- part of it. It was like kind of like a student motorsport team trying to sort of build race cars and, and not just building that, but also racing them in, in Europe. Mostly we used to take these two Formula One tracks in Europe. Uh, race it in uh, Hockenheim in Germany or Monza in Italy, all these F1 tracks in Europe. So we used to do a lot of that stuff. So for us, like, you know, I think uh, we built about six cars between the both of us by the time we even turned 20. And we we did some work here and there, but then, you know, we kind of wanted to get back into the automotive space. Uh, and that was at the time when we were like 22 or something. And and all of this like news about, uh, you know, EV sort of taking off, funding information, all of that sort of got us excited and, you know, kind of even like anxious to not miss out on this on this revolution. Because I think in the automotive world, such revolutions is the second, it's only the second time such a revolution is happening. I think the first time was when Henry Ford sort of did that whole revolution with the manufacturing technology, with the Model T. So all of that, you know, in terms of uh, uh, development, uh, you know, we didn't want to sort of kind of miss the bus. And, and so we started looking out for a problem to be solved. And, and we wanted to solve a problem which could only be solved by technology rather than like, you know, business model innovation. Uh, and because that's where our core strength was. And so when we looked at all the different segments of vehicles, we realized that only as you as you also sort of pointed out, the tuk-tuk is a segment which has not been addressed at all. And that is something that's been true forever. And even today, it's it's not at all like it's, it's one of the worst in the passenger segment of uh, vehicles is one of the worst addressed electric uh, vehicle as well uh, you've got great products in all the different uh, segments but not in tuk-tuk also because it's, it's primarily an indian and a south asian and kind of product it does not exist in china so uh yeah, that that's the reason primarily i uh, wasn't aware of that but yeah that's uh well first of all i just gotta say that's that's a ridiculous origin story this is a very excellent origin story so it just makes me more convinced your your secret agents of of shield or something but uh yeah this is i mean just phenomenal what you were doing at 16 17 and 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 just the path to create you know coming to this idea so but uh yeah that's what i was wondering because we when i saw it oh yeah electric tuk-tuks we cover them every once in a while here and there a company like pops up and it's like oh they're going to do electric tuk-tuks and then we don't hear much about it ever again and so it's it's hard to know what's going on in the market actually yeah and i so was there's aware also a lot that... of confusion between like the tuk-tuks as well uh, i think the tuk-tuk that you refer to is the market that we're addressing but there's also a different kind of three-wheeler that exists called as the e-rickshaws uh, and so these are more prominent in the northern part of the country and also in china these are like you know very thin looking if you just google it you'll, you'll find it but what, what that's not the market that we it's they're called e-rickshaws. Oh, e-rickshaws. Yeah, yeah. E-rickshaws. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I wasn't they're, they're aware. Complete... Yeah, I know yeah. the difference now. When you when you mention it and explain it, I can picture it for sure the difference. Yeah. But I wasn't so aware took... that the tuk-tuks weren't in China. You know, I yeah, they're, obviously they're. rickshaws. You know, you know, but everybody can picture them in China. But yeah. uh, I wasn't aware the, that the, the tuk-tuk market is is outside of China. The tuk-tuk word also originates because of the engines that they used to. So earlier they used to be like two-stroke engines. 
So they used to make this noise like tuk 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 tuk. So so that's how yeah. you know the word tuk tuk sort of originates. And so I I never realized that. I mean, it's it's obvious as you started singing. I was like, of course, that's how where it came from. But I I never I just thought it was a cute name that you gave these cute little vehicles, you know. But um, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I yeah I know. And there's so you have India and you have some other South South uh, Asian markets that use markets, them a lot. Yeah. And I guess yeah. you know there's not necessarily huge easy you know profit profit for for companies that are looking into i mean more or less a lot of ev companies now they're looking at china and europe right yeah i think i think that's in the four wheeler segment because they're trying to target the luxury segment so that's where the technology piece comes into play because we're so focused on technology we are able to sort of you know bring out better products we'll be able to sort of redefine the whole way the model is is functioning right the, the way swapping model works we're able to sort of redefine it kind of going the newer route in terms of the business model uh, so that sort of helps us with with you know deploying this much faster and it's not just by the way it's not just south asia you know southeast asia it's a huge market in africa it's a huge market in latin america and south america as well and i think all the way to mexico and in europe also the same battery so taking a step back like we, we are a battery swapping company at all the way the Tuks are like a primary market right now, but European market also. There's a lot of small uh, four wheelers that exist. You know, go around the uh, you know the town itself, like the old town around that area. So that's also a very good market for us, and this is spread across the Europe as well. So yeah, you know that that's kind of how we look at it. Yeah, no, I think I don't know why there's something about tuk tuks that they're just inherently very cute and like. Like people love them. I don't know. There's something about the the design. Probably a, a design expert could explain that makes them appealing right off the bat. So it's sort of funny that there's they're not more broadly. I mean, you have scooters are huge in parts of Europe. You know, Italy yeah. known for it's it. It's a cheap convertible. How you can look at it, you know. Yeah, and it's you know you, it's a bit beyond. You know, a lot of people are find scooters appealing, but they won't buy one because of various reasons. But a tuk tuk feels like it would fit a market that a lot of people would are tempted to go go toward, you know. So I, I, it would be fascinating to me. I would love to see in the next decade or two, this these vehicles expand to, you know, probably they would enter U.S. through like San Francisco or something, and then you know Europe through certain markets, but potentially could become quite popular vehicles um, in a lot of places. But I'll I'll get to uh, one more, just technology aspect of it. I, the the kind of, I don't know what you call them, the hubs for the battery swapping are quite interesting little designs. They look a bit like a, you know, courier, like a courier package delivery, you know, uh, hub. Can you speak a little about, about, bit about how you design these and, and what goes into them? And then also after that, or part of that, I'm not sure, just the monitoring aspect. You have, you know, smartphone monitoring and, and uh, cool features on that side as well. Right. So uh, we call these the battery swap stations. Uh, that's where all the batteries come to from the vehicles as soon as they're discharged. So what, what our users do is they drive around uh, as soon as they, the energy drops to, you know, uh, below 10% or whatever. They come to one of our battery swap stations. They key in their, uh, you know, uh, vehicle ID and basically the battery swap station houses 16 batteries that can be charged at uh, any point of time uh, it already has charged batteries ready for them to you know swap out and uh, they can get going in a matter of two minutes so uh, that's how the entire swapping uh, uh, thing works and how the battery swap station is designed is to basically house the chargers 
uh, it's completely uh, temperature controlled. So we cool down the batteries, uh, maintain the temperatures while charging uh, inside the battery swap stations uh, and collect a ton of data uh, while doing so. Uh, so uh, it houses the batteries, charges them, keeps them ready for the user to swap in and swap out as, as and when they come to our stations. So that's the entire fund of the swapping uh, that we do at these stations. And you don't need yeah. any, you don't have any employees, any paid labor to do the swapping. It's all user swap, right? And technology. Yeah, so technology. yeah the, the station is completely automated. It has payment uh, systems, you know, uh, integrated into it. So the user just comes in, uh, keys in his vehicle ID, and the station automatically connects with the vehicle via Bluetooth. Uh, measures the energy that's been used by that particular user, generates the bill, uh, the user pays through uh, you know, uh, a unified payment system or a mobile payment system, and uh, he gets the new batteries, fully charged batteries, and he's good to go. So that, that's the entire uh, operation process, and there's no requirement for any you know, operator or a manual, a manual labor to be present to help. So, that's how it is. So forgive me for not having broader knowledge on it, but is this, are there any... Are there any other battery swapping companies or applications like this? Uh, or because I feel like others use have employees like Neo. Or yeah, sure. So, so that's where we that's where we differentiate ourselves. I think the only company that's close to us doing this across the world is is Gogoro in 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 Taiwan. That's it, and and you know that's where we sort of differentiate ourselves quite a lot because using a like some sort of operator or a manpower of this is very expensive, like super super expensive. And especially if you, all our stations run 24-7, like they open 24 hours a day. So, you know, having an operator like, you know, three shifts or, you know, it, it becomes really expensive and hard to justify the cost. So we we do operate some amount of stations with like uh, manpower, but that's just only, you know, uh, high traffic. And But I think most of our stations are like un unmanned. Yeah, because I brought it up earlier, even when Guatham was mentioning the uh, NMC choice. And I was thinking, oh, well, that'll help with labor costs. <laughs> not realizing but at the same time it, it helps with customers because it's easier for them to to use the system and you know if there's a difference in in uh heavy or light or you know easier or harder yes, that, that yeah. can make a big effect on adoption rates so yeah well that's interesting I, I was uh it didn't even cross my mind until yeah you started talking about it and then on the monitoring so software and then yeah, so just getting to that, right? So uh, our batteries continuously uh, communicate when they're inside the vehicle discharging or inside the battery swap station when they're getting charged. So we collect uh, 16 different parameters from the battery, including the temperatures. Uh, we have tampers inside, uh, sensors inside the battery to make sure there's no tamper, tampering or, you know, breakage of the enclosure. Uh, all the electrical parameters, you know, the voltages, the currents and uh, the resistances inside the battery. So all of this is packaged and sent to the cloud. We host our entire monitoring system on the cloud uh, where we, you know, pass these through filters and uh, raise alerts if anything goes beyond set thresholds. Uh, and the most important part, what we do is, you know, we collect this data. We basically use this to generate models, that uh, AI, AI and ML models that uh, help us do a, a bunch of things like, you know, dem uh, predict the demand for swapping from a particular station and keep our batteries ready for swapping uh, whenever customers expect it to come uh, to swap their batteries. We also have, you know, the energy usage per vehicle across different routes in the city. Uh, so we could uh, literally energy map the entire city and, you know, give a user uh, 
most energy efficient routes to take or routes to travel or basically plan their entire day uh, based on the energy usage they do so uh, that's that's a very interesting thing that we're working on at this point of time this basically adds into you know more of what everyone's working at this point to you know uh, optimize energy usage as a whole right so this is one part of it that we're doing with our batteries uh, in the system so all the data comes to our cloud we have people monitoring it automated alert systems uh, and it also feeds into our, uh, our models that we're creating. That's fascinating. The energy efficient, efficient routing system seems phenomenal. Uh, I'd be very curious to see that in action. And uh, I'd love to get that on my Tesla if it's possible. If you could just, you know, send, <laughs> send, send an update over. No, but it, it's definitely like, yeah, I, I, it's again, it's something that you don't really see. And it's it's a brilliant idea. If you have the ability to implement it, why wouldn't you? So it's a, it's a really great, uh, great to see this innovation that you guys are pulling out. My last thing here is just, you know, I see you have this uh, headline, drive first, pay later. So use as much battery capacity as you like and pay for it at the end of usage. It's just, again, uh, it's an interesting kind of uh, approach here. Yeah, it just makes it easier yeah. to to implement, I imagine, but or for, for customers to adopt. But can you speak a little bit more about that that model? I think implementation, like, you know, I think a lot of effort has gone into tech also that side. But I think uh, the idea on the market side was that, you you know, a lot of, again, companies just bill it by the number of times you swap, number of times the battery is, is sort of used, uh, which isn't right, sort of uh, good because especially when you have to come back to the station, it's kind of unfair to map out your network or, you know, map out your rides based on the amount of energy you want to like leave as little energy as possible. So that was like a problem that was there. So what we decided that since the driver always gets like a hundred percent battery, drive as much as you want. Uh, even if you come back at like, you know, with 80% of your battery left, which is going to bill you for the 20% about the energy used. Uh, given that range anxiety is a huge problem, you should have that flexibility for a driver to sort of always have the 100% range whenever they want, especially if they get like long trip, long trips that needs to be done. They should not be losing out on money just because, you know, the timing of that ride was not mapped with when they swap swap. Now, on the tech side, you know, again, Gautam will let you know this. Lots of yeah, so uh, because we collect the data from the batteries at all times, we, we actually know uh, how much energy a particular battery went out with, you know, and how much it's coming back with, and what was the inter intermittent uh, usage of the battery. So based on these, we, uh, you know, generate different bills for different use cases. And, you know, if, if a particular user uh, is, you know, using only 50% of the energy, he comes back and pays only 50% of the entire swapping cost. So it it's not mandatory for him to, you know, pay a fixed amount uh, when he's only using a partial uh, unit of energy. So that's how it's designed. Yeah, it's brilliant. You guys are, I mean, I was, I thought, oh, this is, looks, this looks cool. I'm not sure actually how we were connected. I'm not sure if it was recommended by someone on our team or you guys reached out. I was, you know, looking through our, the history of how this was set up, but it, was, it took a few months and yeah, I don't know how it happened, but I thought, oh, this looks cool. This is, we'll do a podcast on it. But as we've talked through it, you've made me like 10 times more excited about it. Really, uh, the, the technological software and, and business innovation you guys are bringing to the game here is really exciting and you know it makes a bit of sense when you talk about what you were doing as as teenagers um you know are already at a young age uh very 
very uh technologically able to 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 come up you know go beyond an idea a lot of you know 16 17 year olds can have a fun idea but to uh to be able to implement it at a high level get sponsors like honda and suzuki <laughs> backing you that's that's a different level so uh kudos to you and we definitely have to stay in touch and um you know keep track of what how you're growing would love some you know frequent updates we do ha- we have people based in india too writers for the past even 15 years based there so uh we can connect you with uh with them at some point although i think ours are mostly in northern india but yeah are these Any... are these like the ones that i i just add you to the mailing list you know is there, are there the mails mail ids mentioned in the google meet invite those the same ones like cynthia and no cynthia? i yeah we uh, yeah i'll i'll reach out to I'll connect you. We have a couple in northern India for for the past fifteen years. We have another one who's um he's he's been less active in the past several years because he got was getting a PhD or got a PhD and um just busy with other stuff. But but he's in Mumbai, so um a little bit you know still. I mean India is huge. <laughs> I know you said hybrid. Uh, you're, you're not in Mumbai, yeah. So it's but we'll see uh yeah but any final thoughts on on anything we missed any final thoughts on on what you're doing that you know you want to close with no i think uh we're good i think you know i think we've covered uh both market and technology i think technology is something that we're sort of very uh good at in terms of what we're building out over here so yeah equally covered both the sides well, Thank thanks you. for what you're doing. I mean, it's uh, it's a very compelling business case. So, hundred percent, I want like if you, yeah, if you give us monthly updates to, through Cynthia, that would Cynthia's be an excellent. I, I can add it to the. You know, that would be an excellent way to to keep track and make sure we don't lose uh, lose track of what you're doing. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And you you should get uh, you know naming suggestions from your daughter for us to name a few boards down the line. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You have to send that over too, for sure. Yeah, no, this is, I, I, yeah, we we have to be in touch. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Have a good day there or have a good night. Have a good night. Cheers. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you for listening to clean tech talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks.